0: Uh, so this, this week I uh, was spending some time reading a, a theologian I really admire. Um, his name's James K.A. Smith, and he's he's actually a philosopher uh, theologian, and he's made a huge impact on my life uh, over, over the last probably 10 years, and um, I've had a chance to, to chop, talk with him, and he's written a bunch of books that are really, I think, helpful in the world we live in. Um, because he's, he's writing about culture and, and how the church has in many ways lost its, its sense of identity and its voice. And, and he's, he's constantly challenging the church to think think a bit. And so I, I was reading his book and as I was reading this, this section of one of his books, uh, I really had a sense that the Holy Spirit wanted to kind of, you know, I don't know, have us like maybe nudge. He was nudging me into thinking about About uh, something, and so it's kind of more of a spontaneous idea um, uh, for us to think about this morning. So I want to ask you to hang out, hang with me for a minute, okay? Um, Hang with me for a few minutes because I I wanted to say we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna like wade into the deep end of the pool a little bit, okay? Um, And and some of you like that, and some of you are like, but I like the kiddie pool. The kiddie pool's great, but just just hang with me for a for a few minutes here, because I want to work hard after we think a little bit about what he's saying and then show you why this is a a biblical thing that we need to wrestle with as well as why it's important for all of us. And so just just hang with me for a few minutes here. So this is what what James K.A. Smith writes. I got a quote here. I want us to to just just hear it out and then we're going to talk about it a little bit and then we're going to wrestle with some scripture as we always do. So this is what he writes. James writes, Our ultimate love is oriented by and to a picture of what we think it looks like for us to live well. And that picture then governs, shapes, and motivates our decisions and actions. Our ultimate love moves and motivates us because we are lured by this picture of human flourishing. Rather than being pushed by beliefs, we are pulled by a telos, which just is a fancy word of talking about a final cause. We, we have a a final direction we're headed, and that tell us that we desire. It's not so much that we're intellectually convinced and then muster the willpower to pursue what we ought. Rather, at a precognitive level, big word, we are attracted to a vision of the good life that has been painted for us in stories and myths, images and icons. It is not primarily our minds that are captivated, but rather our imaginations that are captured. And when our imagination is hooked, we're hooked. And sometimes our imagination can be hooked by very different visions than what we're feeding into our minds. Those visions of the good life that capture our heart have thereby captured ourselves and begin to draw us toward them, however implicitly or tacitly. The goods and aspects of human flourishing painted by these alluring pictures of the good life begin to seep into the fiber of our being, our hearts and thus govern and shape our decisions, actions, and habits. So this is a pretty fancy quote. There's a lot of like philosophical language here, and, and I know that it seems like maybe mumbo-jumbo, but I, I, and I get that. Like I understand how sometimes I've read some of his books, and I'm like, I have, I'll read the same chapter 15 times, and I'll still be like, I have no idea what I just read. But I learned some new fancy words. So if you got some new fancy words today maybe that'll help you when you're hanging out with some some people. But here's what Smith is basically saying here. He's saying that love drives and motivates us and has the power to capture our imaginations. So so our like ultimate loves, the things that we desire, the things that we love have the ability to to motivate us. They can stimulate us. They can cause us to do certain things. They can they can capture our imagination. Like we're like, oh my gosh. I mean, one really, uh, really easy way to explain this for me is, um, I met Don, with my sister, and I was like, hey sister, we should hang out more. Bring Dawn. And then, and then I tried to talk to Don one day, and she totally blew me off, which makes it worse, right? And then I'm like, I gotta hang out with this chick now, and I'm like trying to talk to her, and she's blowing me off, and then. Then she made me cookies, and I was like, I will marry you, okay? But I was captivated. My imagination was sparked. I was There was a, a love that developed um, at that moment. And so then he's saying that there are practices. He's saying there's practices and habits and things that we can do that will actually help strengthen our love. So, like, as an example for... And this is just one example. There's many, but for relationships, there's things that we can do in our relationships that help strengthen that love, right? Like spending quality time together. And that doesn't have to be in marriage. If you have friends, you have to spend time with them, right? To be able to cultivate the love you have for them. And then he's also saying that if we have good motivations, they will help us and they help the world around us. He's saying, if you... If your love um, is motivated in a positive kingdom way, if you're desiring the kingdom, it will not only benefit you, but it'll benefit the world around you. But the corresponding reality, though, is that if you have bad motivations, it ends up hurting you, and it hurts the world around you. And so James K. Smith has written like three books just on this topic. And, And so I'm reading this book, and I'm like, I was reflecting, because it took me like about about like, I don't know, I think I read this chapter like four times. And I was trying to wrap my head around this idea of motivations because I had this 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 thing happen as I was reflecting on it. I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit kind of, you know how sometimes any of you ever have the Holy Spirit just kind of poke you a little bit? Or like whisper something in the back of your head and you're like, whoa, what, what's going on with that? And this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit was just nudging us to wrestle with for a minute. There's a couple of questions. What motivates us? Like, what motivates you? What, what inspires you? What, what causes you to get out of bed every morning, right? Or, I'm sorry, some of you get up at 11.30, summer. But what, what captures your imagination? What, what stimulates your, your thinking, I think people are motivated by a lot of different things in in today 's world and, and and part of this is i 've been wrestling with a number of different books and and, and thinking about how they engage with a number of of passages of scripture that i 've been really meditating on for a season and and what I, I think happens is is people in today 's society especially i mean more so now than any time that i 've been alive I think people are are influenced and motivated by fear and anxiety. Those are powerful things. You cannot turn on your television and watch any media that is not capitalizing on fear and anxiety. Why? Because if it bleeds, it leads, right? I mean, we see this, you turn on any media, it's like, we all are getting I'm like, I'm like, this is the next thing, right? I mean, are you with me? Like it's like all over news and, and social media. It's like everything is just stimulating fear and anxiety, and and so people are motivated by that. They're inspired by that. They're captured by their imagination is captured by 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 fear and anxiety. Uh, for other people, the primary motivation is is money and things, right? And, and we all know people that that get sucked into that and the thing about money is that money is not evil in it of itself right i mean the bible says that that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil right? so money if it's a tool and we see it as a resource to accomplish things and can be used for the glory of god that's one thing but to be totally consumed with with getting more of that so we can have 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 is is I think a short-sighted and a damaging motivation, and, and and another thing that a lot of people are are currently motivated by are just momentary pleasures. You know, like right now, this feels like it'll be be a good thing, and I'm, I'm this is not new. This is this goes back to every civilization that's ever existed, right? It's like this momentary feeling is going to was going to drive me to make these decisions. But I think the church has a calling to be a prophetic voice to say, hey, pause. some of the things that we feel are not helpful. They actually damage damage us and they damage people around us. People are influenced by power and fame and influence. I mean, I was recently reading this poll that indicated that most young people now, when you ask them what they wanna do with their life, they wanna be rich and famous. And the poll was like, well, what do you want to be rich and famous for? For being rich and famous, right? And and years ago, when you asked people what they wanted, they would say, I want to be rich and famous for discovering the cure to cancer or for having a business, right? And so it's just this allure. There's this allure, I think, that's out there, and there's all these distractions. We talk about this all the time. There's things that are vying for our attention. There are things that are trying trying to get us to get off off-center and to be less focused on Jesus and the kingdom. And so as a follower of Jesus, I, I've been thinking about this, and I'm inclined inclined—I'm inclined this morning to suggest that we need to consider some of the influences and motivations of Jesus. So, you know, Jesus is, is um, the most influential person in all of human history, I believe that. There's nobody in all of history who has literally changed the course of history as well as had a greater impact than Jesus. And so if you're a part of the vineyard, you know that we're all about Jesus, amen? Like we're all about Jesus. We want everybody to know Jesus. My, my life has been significantly impact, impacted and shaped by knowing Jesus. And so when we think about about what we need to be motivated by and what we need to engage with, I think we need to lean a little bit into, into Jesus here and see that he's motivated by a number of things. And what he's motivated by should significantly influence us. And so the first thing that I think we can consider this morning is this. Jesus was motivated by a desire to honor his heavenly father. When I was growing up and, and, and was around certain people, when I would ask people like you know why do you think we exist what's our purpose some of those people would say we exist to glorify god and one catechism that i've i've found helpful would say that the chief end of man the main purpose that we have is to glorify god and enjoy him forever and so jesus embodies this because when he's a young boy he even lives this out in fact One of my favorite stories about Jesus is Jesus is born, you know, we're going to be, it's going to be December in two days. You just have to accept that. It's August tomorrow, right? We're almost there. It's like, oh, my gosh, i got to get prepared for all those presents presents that y'all are going to buy me. I mean, I'm really excited about that. But Christmas is just around the corner. Christmas reminds us of the incarnation, Jesus' birth. But a few years after Jesus is born, what happens is every year his family goes to Jerusalem. And so his family goes, and and essentially in the ancient world, it'd be like their whole entire family is traveling together, and you know everybody, you stay with family members in the city you're traveling to. And and there's a moment in one of their travels that Jesus just kind of like disappears, and his parents are like, where did he go? And it's interesting when you're reading Luke chapter 2, because it's like on the third day, they figure out he's gone. Right? And that just highlights, again, this, this communal thing. I mean, could you imagine going to Disneyland for a couple days and then not knowing where one of your kids are? I dream about that all the time. I do, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that'd be so amazing. He's like, just kidding. But third day, where's he at? And so they finally find where he's at, and he's at the temple, and he's teaching the rabbis and the Pharisees. He's, he's educating them on the scriptures and his mother and father, Joseph, they're like, where have you been? And and then what we have Jesus say um, is he says, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Or other translations will translate that kind of complicated Greek phrase as, didn't she you know I must be about my father's business? Didn't she you know that I had to be about him? And so Jesus has this desire, he's motivated by, by this desire to bring glory to God. He wants to honor God. And I think that's a good desire for us too. Like when we wake up every day, what motivates us, what should, what should capture our imaginations is to imagine that you have, I mean, this is, this is crazy. You have the ability as a finite, small, seemingly insignificant human being who is tinier than tiny in this vast, massive cosmos, you have the ability by the way that you live your life to bring honor to God. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And so Jesus Jesus demonstrates this. He's motivated by a desire to honor his heavenly father. Secondly, I think we can see that Jesus is motivated by a desire to seek and save the lost. I mean, I, I don't know how many times we need to like I'm assuming we need to do this regularly, but it's like we lose sight of this because like church becomes a club really easily where where it's just a bunch of people who know the right answers and we check the right boxes and and we, we know the right prayers and we forget what we used to be. And we forget that without grace, there go we. And so we have Jesus demonstrating here throughout the gospels over and over again, like, listen folks, I came for the people who are overlooked and marginalized and who are on the outskirts of society and who have done everything wrong. Jesus came for those people. And he, does not, he doesn't care if those people have really bad reputations. He's not afraid of that. Why? Because he wants them to enter into a life transformative relationship with God. And so we see that in Luke 19.10, Jesus makes this powerful statement where he says, I came to seek and save the lost. He was motivated by that. He was motivated by a desire to see people experience grace. He was motivated by, by this desire to help people come to know God. And then finally, when we think about Jesus' motivations this morning, we see that he was motivated by love. He was motivated by love. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus he says, so now I am giving you, my disciples, a new commandment. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So love is this significantly powerful motivation. And I, and I think we need to like realize that this is more Transformative, more powerful than being motivated by fear and motivated by anxiety and motivated by unforgiveness or anger, right? All these things that are vying for our attention. And if we're honest, these things that are kind of like percolating inside of us, those things are distractions and they actually hurt our relationship with God and they hurt our relationship with other people. And that's kind of what James K. Smith is basically saying. He's saying if we have an ultimate love that is rooted in Jesus, the King, in the kingdom of God, if our love is, is aimed toward that, and if that kingdom captures our imagination, and if the desire to, to bring glory to God and the desire to seek and save those who are on the outskirts of, of, of God's kingdom, if we, if we really work hard to love those people, not only will it benefit us, it'll benefit the world around us. And it's really powerful when we think about these questions about our motivations. And so I, I think the question for you is what is your motivation? What what is motivating your life right now? Because one thing I've observed over the course of my life is that, that whatever we desire, whatever we set our sights on, it has the potential to either bless us or to ruin us. It can either bring blessings or it can bring ruin. And so I'm gonna wrap up with this in, in the old testament. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah is this this prophet who um, at many times is trying to wake up the people of of Israel. He's trying to say, hey, listen, we've gone down this road before. You know, Israel has these cycles. If you spend time in the Old Testament, you see that the the people of Israel will go after God, and they're like all in. Yay, God God redeemed us. God saved us. God delivered us from Pharaoh. Woo-hoo. And then like 33 seconds later, they're like, let's. Let's worship other gods. It's just always happening. There's these cycles that just keep happening over and over again. And so Isaiah comes along and he's saying, hey, wake up. Wake up. Because what he says is that when, when, when the people of Israel worship God, they become like God. And then when they start worshiping idols, they become like the idols. So Isaiah says you become deaf, you become blind, and you become mute. And so I'm telling you this morning that whatever motivates us will capture us and it will either help serve us or it will, it will ruin us. It will ruin us. And so we really need to ask that question of what is motivating us? And if it's not Jesus in the kingdom, we need to start to ask God to start to change some of those things. And we have to start doing things that will help, help build that into our lives. So I, I'd like to pray for a few minutes here. And so if you wanna close your eyes maybe, Um, Because the last two months, we have said, hey, we want to create some space for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Like we've said, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to have a little more more space in our gathering. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes where you're at. I'm going to ask you a number of questions, and then we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer. this morning as we're, we're here that question about motivations and inspiration and just you know those those things that that stimulate our life you know what what are those things what are the things right now that cause you to do what you do. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and reveal to each one of us in this room what are the things that motivate us? What are the what are the things that, that are that are stirring us um, in our day-to-day lives? Lord, what are the distractions that we have? What are the things that we have been leaning into that are, are, are not helping us anymore?
1: I actually got this um, picture last week, um, and I felt like it was kind of for everybody here. Just a vision of, of Satan holding our heads underwater with this thumb, like you feel trapped under his thumb, to drown out the voice of God. And he's using discouragement and distraction and fear and anxiety um, to really, keep us from receiving the peace and the love and encouragement from God. And so I just want to pray. I just want to pray and encourage you all to get up and fight. And fighting doesn't have to be loud and messy and crazy. It's just by saying no. And saying, Holy Spirit, come. I choose to believe in your love. The perfect love that casts out forever. I choose to believe in your kindness for me and your power. That you've overcome this world. That you love me so much that your love is fighting for me every day. making can rest in them. So I just worry about discouragement, distraction, fear.
0: So, so if you identify with that, if that's something that you'd say, yeah, I, I, that speaks to me, you don't have to feel any pressure to do this, but we would love to pray for you. I think Jennifer's mm-hmm. going to pray. So if you would be willing to stand up where you're at, just maybe as a way to respond and say, yeah, I want to I wanna take a stand. I want to I wanna lean into Jesus a little bit here. We're just going to give you an opportunity to do that.
1: Holy Spirit, would you come even more? God, I pray that, that Your presence would fall upon those that are reaching out to You right now, and that You wouldn't even just show them how amazing and how big You are, but how much each and every one of these people mean to You. And you love them so much, You are fighting for them. That you're there to hope through pain and discouragement. And, and that you have truth for them. The truth that sets them free. So God, I pray that you would speak into each and every one of these hearts right now. Would you tell them something about them that you love so much? And would you start breaking up the lies from the enemy? that keeps their heads under water, that drowns out your voice. And I just keep hearing the word like I have enough for this for you, God. I don't I don't have anything for you. I'm not enough. And if that's someone, if someone's feeling that, but like, I'm not enough. I just break that off in the name of Jesus Christ. He knew you were enough the day He created you. That He wrote you in His book. He knows what He's doing, Scott. I I pray that you would bring supernatural trust into these hearts. You know them, and you know what you're doing, you know what they're created for.
0: Lord, I I pray now for just for everybody in this room, that when we just thought about what motivates you, um, just I'm very grateful that you were motivated by love. You love everybody in this room more than we could ever fathom. You loved us so much that, Father, you sent your one and only son and you loved us so much, Jesus, that you willingly came to die on the cross so we could have peace with God. And so I pray for your, your kingdom to become more and more of our inspiration, more and more of our motivation. And I pray for everybody in this room uh, to know your grace, to know your mercy, and to know your love in a significant way today, that you would, you would help us to experience that love this morning. And Father, I pray now that you you are present with everybody in this room, that you would bless the the talking and the the, the, the hangout time, Lord, now as we spend a few minutes together and that you'd be with us for the rest of this week as we go about joining Jesus in his mission, as we go about being about our father's business. Help us to, to do those things in a way that is honoring to you and is a blessing to people. And all of God's people who agreed said, Folks, thanks so much for joining us. Um, hang out here. We have some coffee out there. There might be half a donut left. It's very possible. Uh, if you have kids in the, in the kids' church, be sure to head down there and relieve uh, our, our volunteers and say thank you to them. So have a great week.